All righty, let's open up our Bibles this morning. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Meant to laugh, not groan. Mark chapter 8, verse 13 to 16. And uh, we are, as a church this year, we are reading, uh, doing the harmony of the Gospels, reading them together each week. And so in our harmony of the Gospels this week, we are reading about the Pharisees. And Mark chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus left the Pharisees and went in the boat to the other side of the lake. His followers only had one loaf of bread with them in the boat. They'd forgotten to bring more. Jesus warned them. Be careful, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. His followers discussed this meaning of this saying. He said this because we've got no bread. Interesting, isn't it? It sounds like the disciples were quite confused. What's Jesus trying to get at here? And, and uh, for many of us, when we read scriptures like this as well, we're thinking, well, what's Jesus talking about when he's saying, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, beware the yeast of Herod? Um. Why don't we pray this morning as we kick off and get into the Word of God. Father, we just thank you for your Word, Lord. We uh, open up our hearts and lives and minds to receive from your Word this morning, God, that you would teach us, train us, disciple us. Lord, guide us, Father, that we would grow and, and get to know you more and more in your Word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of Herod, and yeast is a, often a metaphor in the Word of God for pride and for arrogance. Um, when you put yeast into dough, into flour, it does what? It puffs it up. It puffs it up. And if you put too much in there, it blows it up. Uh, when you're cooking, when we're cooking, say, making bread, you just need, apparently, I've never, well, I have made bread once. And I remember it was only a little pinch. Um, it had the old um, Big W or the TV special bread maker. Everyone's got one of those in the garage, don't they? Next to the Abdur, next to the rowing machine. <laughs> Um, next to the set of Anthony Robbins CDs. And, uh, the, the, who remembers the bread machine? Takes up so much room in the cupboard now, doesn't it? Just chuck the thing. But you'd put it all, throw it all in, there'd be this tiny little sachet of yeast you'd put in there, like a pinch of yeast is all you needed. And just like yeast, uh, you don't need a lot of pride happening in your life to take over things, to uh, puff things up and to cause a blow-up in your world. Uh, for Jane and I, when we first got married, uh, married we had a, a love match in our marriage, which is a Christian word for an argument. And um, <laughs> as time went by, um, these arguments, these love matches, seemed to escalate rapidly and easily sort of just get out of control. Um, and uh, one of the saving graces in our marriage, and this is very serious, this is actually really, really true, is, was the movie Father of the Bride and, uh, with Steve, uh, Steve Martin. And there's this, this great scene in Father of the Bride where, because um, Steve Martin throughout this movie, he just continually overreacts to things that are happening in his life and his world and the marriage and the marriage of his daughter. And then finally, the, his daughter and the son-in-law have this, this, this disagreement, this blow-up about something, and it just totally escalates. And the daughter cancels the, the wedding with about two or three days before the wedding's going to happen. And so Steve Martin takes the son-in-law to a bar, and they sit down, they're having a beer together. And Steve Martin begins to explain that it's going to be okay. Don't worry. She tends to overreact, my daughter. She overreacts at little things. And then he says this great line. He says, in fact, she comes from a long line of overreactors. And we were watching that film, Jane and I, and we just 
looked at each other. And it become this little saying, when one of us started to overreact, we'd just look at each other and just say, you come from a long line of overreactors. Because it's true. And the thing is, it's true for most of us, isn't it? When we, when we do this, um, when, we, when we're filled with pride, when pride gets involved in our life, our stuff, our situation, our discussion, our argument, when pride, when pride gets involved, it tends to blow up because of this overreaction thing. And we, all of a sudden, tiny little things are really upsetting us. And we let what the Bible calls is strife. Strife enters, it's like a, a bad smell, just sort of enters the room, enters our life. This thing called strife. Strife in our workplace, strife in our life, strife in our home, strife in our marriage. And sadly, it tends to happen to those that we love the most. Um, ladies uh, will know that you know, the ladies here that are married this morning, your, uh, your spouse you know, gets on your nerves. I mean, you love the man. You can't live without him. But just at times, you want to choke him. <laughs> you want to strangle him. True, true ladies? And uh, when we let our guard down, when strife sort of enters the room, we tend to end up saying things that are hurtful, things that are demeaning, things that are disrespectful. And it just opens this door of strife just to enter our world. Now, I'm not saying that we're never going to have an argument. I'm not saying that we're never going to say wrong words or have a disagreement in our home or our marriage, in our family. I mean, that's not reality. But, um, you know, when, when arguing, when disagreements, when strife just becomes a, a part of who we are, um, when, when it becomes just the, the normal way that we're relating to each other, when we're constantly arguing, constantly being disrespectful, things have gone way too far. In Mark chapter 3, verse 25 in the Living Bible, it says it like this, A home filled with strife and division destroys itself. A home filled with strife and division destroys itself. Like a lot of things, we can often make excuses for stuff in our world, though. Like, we'll, you know, if it's in the workplace, we'll be saying things. Well, if, if it wasn't for him and he's, they're, they're doing that, if they weren't being so disrespectful, well, I wouldn't. And we continue living in this zone of excuse. Or if my spouse, just, oh, she just knows where to, how to push my buttons. If she wouldn't push my buttons, I wouldn't. But the thing is, we have to be the bigger person. It's like... When you think about grow up, will you? Grow up, in fact, sort of defines and indicates, let's be a bigger person in this situation. You know, just because someone's doing wrong, um, it doesn't mean that we have to engage. You know, I think of a, a, a Target or War movie when there's the, the cannon and there's the, the plane or something and there's the missile launcher and it's like, lock on, engage, engage. And it's like, that's what we tend to do in our relationships with people, with others, when stuff is happening and that we want to engage them in the argument or in the strife. It's, it's a bit like a bait. It's like Satan throws out this bait. The bait of Satan, it's, it's like he's, he's actually, it's like it's a seductive spirit. It's, a, it's like it's saying to us, come on, have a go, go and jump in there. Don't take that from them. No, I can't believe what they're saying to you. Give it to them. Tell them off. They're wrong. You're right. Give it to them. Get in and, then, oh, yeah, and you go, yeah, and you just jump in there and it's like ding, ding, and it's on. Round one. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
But don't take the bait. Don't take this bait of Satan. You know, it takes a mature person. We all want to be a mature person. Well, let's, let's grow up. Let's be the bigger person. Let's be the mature person. I'm not taking the bait. No, no. Walk away. Speak to the hand. Whatever it takes, just walk away. Walk away. Don't take the bait that's trying to get you to open the door of strife into your world, into your family, into your home, into your marriage. It takes maturity to apologise, even when you're in the right. It's a great life skill to learn, and you have to do it. You have to learn this. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's worse than 50 push-ups. It's like you have to learn to apologise, even when you're in the right. It's like... <laughs> the words won't even come out of your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, come on, yes. tell us a story. Tell me Praise the Lord. No, you won't tell us a story. True confessions. But it's like that. You just can't apologise when you know that I'm in the right, but I'm in the right. But it's not about that. It's apologising. You know, I take the attitude of I'm, I'm apologising that we are both are in this situation. I'm really, really sorry that it's come to this. I'm really, really sorry that we, you know, and... and Maybe not directly apologising about whatever the incident is, but we're apologising that it's come to this. Why has it come to this? Why are we disagreeing? Why are we arguing? Why? And just to apologise, just to psh, let all the air out of it. Uh, to keep strife out of your life, you just have to get good at walking away. Get good at walking away. Get good at walking out of, away, out of the room if you have to. Even when everything inside you is screaming, let them have it, give it to them. You're in the... And there's times when you know that you're right and, and that they're even being disrespectful. They're not telling the truth even. They're lying about... I mean, is there anything worse? They're lying. No. But for the sake of peace, let it go, let it go. I don't know how it goes. I just heard it once on the radio. Jesus said, blessed are the... Wrong. <laughs> Jesus said, blessed are the... Yes, give that person a prize. Who said that? Cheeseburgers? You are wrecking my sermon. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We think that Jesus said, blessed are those that are right. You know, we, we, we elevate being right to the highest level of existence. But it's not. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are those who are right. Right and wrong is in this realm of the Pharisees that we just read about. Pharisees were right all into the Old Testament law. It was all about law and legalism. The thing is... The, the great thing about law, having laws and having legalism in your world and in your life, is that when you have law, you don't need relationships. That's the sad thing. You just say, this is what you do, this, you know, left, right, left, right, jump up and down, do this, don't do that. Do. And it's like everyone's like robots. But when there's not law, when there's grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and joy and peace in a family, in a life, in a household, it's that you have to bring in relationship because you just got to talk to people and say, hey, Jimmy, I know that you didn't mean to park in my car park. 
But, see, whatever it is that you need to talk through, as opposed to laws, it's like, don't park in my car park. You know, we think, though, we, we think, you know, well, if I'm right, I'm right. You know, being right justifies me for being a mongrel. I was going to say another word, but... Well, what do you think I was going to say? What did you think of then? Um, you know, we think, well, well, I'm not backing down. I'm, not, I'm right. I'm not backing down. Um, I'm going to prove I'm right, in fact. I'm going I'm to show you I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to show you you're wrong, and I'm right. I'm going to win this battle. But, you know, being right is overrated. I mean, you can be right your whole life and be miserable. You can be right and sleep on the couch. (laughs) You can be right your whole life and have nobody at your funeral. You can prove your point. You can always win the battle. But we don't realise what damage we're actually doing to relationships. But we're walking around full of pride. The yeast has blown us up. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. They're wrong. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Personally, I would just rather have a household that's full of fun, full of love, full of peace, full of mercy, full of grace, than win the battle and be so miserable miserable that I don't want to be in this house. Being right is overrated. And we need to let God be God in other people's lives instead of us trying to fix them, change them, manipulate them, all these things we try to do. Because I want to tell you, they ain't going to change. And don't ever marry somebody thinking they're going to change. They're not. Whatever they're doing now that annoys you, multiply it by 10. Because now they're on their best behaviour. Once you get married, man... They'll even, no. <laughs> Deuteronomy 3 verse 20 says, do we have the scripture? No, we don't. Deuteronomy 32 verse 20 says, one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. One can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. You might read a scripture like that and think, you know, what does that actually mean? One can chase a thousand. It's talking about unity. When we, have, when we have unity, and it could be whether it's in our church, in a workplace. Uh, this morning, you know, I'm particularly talking about, say, families and marriages. It's when we have unity, particularly in our marriage, the favour on our marriage, the favour that is on our world and on our life increases. We, um, when we're in unity, when we're in agreement, it's like we're ten times more powerful in the spiritual realm. When we're in agreement... We're ten times stronger to withstand attacks from the world because attacks come, don't they? It's all out there. The world is conspired against us, against families, against marriages. But we need to stand together in unity because if one will put a thousand to flight together, the two of us, we're going to put ten thousand to flight. We're going to overcome bigger obstacles. We're going to accomplish our dreams and our dreams and the things we accomplish are going to be ten times bigger and ten times more rewarding. When we're together in unity, we will go so much further when we keep and guard. This is the key. Guard the unity and the peace that's in our home and in our marriage. 
You know, I think sometimes that some of the obstacles that we're, we, we can't overcome and maybe we've been, it's like I've been batting my, banging my head against a brick wall, it seems like for months and months and months or even years. Uh, the doors don't seem to be opening. And I think sometimes it's, maybe it's because in your marriage and in your home you are operating on the strength of one. And that's why you're not overcoming the obstacles. That's why you're not breaking through. That's why blessing doesn't seem to be coming. There's strife. There's division in your world. And what you need, you need the 10 times power to come against this thing, whatever it is that's holding back your life, your future, your dreams, your vision, your business, your finances, whatever it might be, whatever is holding it back, whatever, you need the 10 times power to break through this in Jesus' name and it's the power of being together in unity. Our spouses, that amazing person that God has put into our life, they're not just there to cuddle in bed. They're not just there to cook your food. They're not just there to mow the lawn. They're not just there to be a friend or a companion. You know, there's spiritual force and power that's released when we have a dream and a vision together, when, we're, when, we're, when we keep unity and vision and focus together in our life and in our marriage. In Genesis, I love it, it talks about how the two shall become one. We know it so much. It was talked about in every marriage service, the two shall become one, one flesh. It doesn't happen the day that you're married. It, it doesn't happen a year after you're married. The, the two become one is a lifelong journey that we walk along together with the both, both parties wanting to become one. And I'm still training Jane. <laughs> you can tell she's in England, can't you? Whoa! But true. But, you know, for Jane and I are, are completely different people. You know, when, when, we, when we're not willing to grow, when we're willing to, not willing to disciple ourselves, when we're not willing to do the hard yards, we often it's easy to look at other people or other marriages and, think, and just go, oh, it's okay for you. You're just like the dream couple and it's all right for you. You don't know what the, the hell I'm going through. You don't know what it's like for me. It's just it's like, well... You know, Jane and I are completely opposite. But that's why we've got a great marriage. It's because we've worked together and worked hard. And she's had to forgive me many times. But you grow together. You make allowances. Um, there's give and take. There's overlooking some things. You have to work hard to keep strife out of your life, out of your marriage, out of your family, out of your household. You know, I really believe if we could see into the spirit realm and uh, you know there is a spirit realm and uh, you know why is all the crazy things happening in the world why are all the crazy things that are happening in, in Melbourne why are all the things when you look at things like crime and drugs and all that stuff it's like what's going on what's going on there's an unseen realm the spirit realm there is light and there is dark. There is angels and there are demons. And the demons are real. And those things, those spirits, they, they get on people. They get in people. They drive people. We haven't got enough time to go do a big study on it this morning. But the point is, if we could literally see into the spirit realm and see what strife and arguing and fighting and disagreement does to destroy our future we would avoid it like the plague 
Don't be mocked, the Bible says. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. But we think we get away with things, don't we? I mean, it's, it's baby dedication day. Lots of babies are born out of wedlock, and that happens. But let me tell you, not many babies would be born out of wedlock if you gave birth five minutes after you had sex. Think about it. I'll say it again. Not many babies would be born in one-night stands or out of wedlock or whatever. I'm talking about one-night stands sort of things now. If, if the baby was born five minutes after you had sex, you'd avoid it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't take the risk. But the, the subtly, we're deceived because we just think, you know, I'm off, I'm out of here. Nine months later, it won't matter, I won't be around. This is what the guy does at least. And abandons the girl. And uh, you think you get away with it. But that's sadly what strife is the same thing in our life and our marriage and our families. And we think we're getting away with it. We think it doesn't matter. It matters. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And we need to avoid it like the plague. Imagine today. Why don't we close our eyes all over this place this morning as we get ready to pray together. And maybe someone can come and play on the keyboard for me. But just let's close our eyes this morning. Just think about if you drew a line in the sand today in your life, in your world. If if today you drew a line in the sand and said, that's it. From this day forward, I am going to do everything I can do to keep strife out of my life. I'm going to become a peacemaker. And you know, it doesn't make you look weak. peacemaker has incredible strength the most mature person is the one who walks away from the argument the most mature person is not the one who's always right it's the one who keeps the peace blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God father this morning I pray for every person that's here today Lord God and father we confess this morning yes Lord I come from a long line of overreactors. One of the things that's helped me personally in my life is a little saying, don't give $10 responses to five cent problems. Don't give $10 or $100 responses to five cent problems. But we do it all the time. Overreact. Make mountains out of molehills. Father, that we would be the peacemakers, Lord God, that we wouldn't live in the land of law and legalism, but we'd live in the land of grace and mercy. Father God, that we would be great forgivers, that we would be great givers of love and grace and mercy to one another, that we would be peacemakers, Lord God, and that we would see the fruit of that in our world. If one could put a 1,000 to flight, two would put 10,000. Father, I pray for every marriage that's here this morning, Lord God, that we would see breakthrough, that they would come together, husband and wives, with dreams and visions, not just a marriage of comfort, not just a marriage of convenience, not just a marriage of whatever, but a marriage of vision, together, destiny, breakthrough, spiritual power, 10,000 a flight. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, God. Just while every eye is closed, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're not really a Christian. Maybe you've never really given your life to Christ. The Bible says that that when we receive Jesus, that God will receive us in heaven as his child. Most of us have heard that term being born again and movies have made jokes about it and laughed about it. But it's actual spiritual reality. Everyone's born once in this world physically. And Jesus said that we all need to be born again spiritually to come alive in our spirit, to come alive to God. If you've never ever done that, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just like I did 30-something years ago in a little church just like this. The pastor gave an invitation just like this one, just to lift up your hand. If that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you. just want to ask you just to lift up your hand, just to say, Sean, that is me. Please include me when you pray. I want to do this. I need to do this. I need to give my life to Christ. Thank you. Or maybe you are a Christian and maybe you've done this before sometime, but right now you just feel like, hey, I just feel far from God. I feel like I've done something silly or I feel like I'm off track. I want to get back on track. Pray for me, Sean, please. I want to get back on track. I want to make Jesus number one again. If that's you this morning, lift up your hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all pray this together. Just say after me. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you died on that cross for me and you rose from the dead and you're alive in heaven. And Father, this morning, I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus, which cleanses me from all sin, all sin I've ever done, all sin ever done to me. I'm free from it now. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm going to love you and serve you, Jesus, every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.